Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. This is a podcast where we will tell you about treasures and about truths of God, but it is up to you for you to dig in the word, for you to go on a treasure hunt, for you to search for it as though you're searching for hidden treasure in order that you will know the truth of God and that it will set you free from death, eternal, and sin. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Good morning, Sean. How are you doing today? Doing really good. I'm, I was actually enjoying the conversation we were having seconds before we got on the air. So we'll just see where mother goes. It was us talking about some revelation that you got, and it was really cool. So no, doing doing really good. Feel good this morning. Yeah, and with that, I just want uh, people to know that it'd be a good objective. That yes, you can know the thing, the things about God, and. Uh, you can know what the Bible says, but there are deeper truths, deeper mysteries that can possibly be revealed to you as you're seeking God with all of your heart. Now, if you're not seeking God with all of your heart and you ask God for those things, you're more than likely you're not going to get them because you're not going to be able to understand because you don't have a heart after God like like. Uh, David having a heart after God's own heart, which means that you truly want to be in the presence of God and you truly want to know who God is and what they're about. And so you definitely need to be uh, in the process of seeking with all of your heart. But I would be, you know, like the word says, cry out for insight, call aloud for understanding and seek as though you're seeking for hidden treasure. Well, it's not just the seeking, it's the the calling aloud and the crying and how bad do you want it? Are you just going to just ask once and, oh, well, well, I guess I'm not going to get it. Or you just ask, you don't, you know, you don't get upset if you don't get it, but you continually ask unless God says, don't bring this matter to me anymore. Like he told Moses, but I, uh, there are so many mysteries. I mean, there's a lot of mysteries that uh, have been revealed to us that can be revealed to other people, not just the mysteries that we understand. And some of them we talk about and some of them we don't because some of them you are spiritually discerned and you it might make sense to you, but you can't necessarily understand it until you have the circumcision of the heart. And so, but... You never know what mystery that God may reveal to you, like 
you were talking about this morning, the thing that you brought out was a mystery revealed that I didn't know, you know, I'd, I'd never correlated it that way. Uh, and so there, God's got plenty of mysteries. You know, Paul talks about the mystery of the gospel, the gospel that was revealed to him, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we have these mysteries uh, that God can reveal to you if you're positioned in the right place to have that uh, commitment to God that you don't care about your life anymore. Not meaning that you just let yourself go and you, you sit on the couch and do nothing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about from the selfish aspect of what we were born and raised in this life to be. And so there are mysteries that God has and mysteries. I'm convinced that God has revealed to us mysteries that even Paul didn't know. But what mysteries did Paul know that we didn't get to? And the, uh, the thing to understand in this is that the mystery of the gospel has been revealed. Uh, and Paul got that and we get we've gotten that. Uh, so when it comes to the gospel, the mystery of the gospel is going to be revealed to those who want it, those who are seeking God with all of their heart. It'll be revealed to them, but it won't be revealed to just anybody. Oh, I accept you. And so just ask God, pour out your heart, you know, cry out, call aloud for understanding. And you might be surprised at what God gives you, you know, God we're nothing special. The only special that we have is Christ in us, the hope of glory. I mean, that's the, the, the beauty part of it. Uh, we're not uh, elegant, uh, what you would consider intellectual in the world, uh, but we are gaining more and more intellect of God which I would much rather prefer because that will benefit me here in this life and in the life to come. And so just if you're seeking God with all of your heart, you know, you're seeking God with all of your heart, ask God to reveal you mysteries because that may actually help you uh, in the process to move quicker when you see that God's answering you and they're giving you things and they make, and, if God reveals a mystery to you, it will make perfect sense with the scriptures and with what they've said in the past. And so it's just I, it's just a good piece of information for people to have to know that it's not just faith in Messiah. And like we've talked about, faith in Abba, faith in Messiah, and then faith in um, Mother. But it's also the fact that you position yourself that when God's ready, that they will give you the opportunity to see things that not everybody else gets to see, not everybody else gets to understand. I mean, there's a lot of worldly concepts that we have the ability to understand now because of scripture and what the Bible says and God revealing it to us that many people in the world have questions about that if we told them about it, it 
would make sense. But they wouldn't be able to understand it because these things are spiritually designed. And you have to depend on God and you have to be positioned in a place where you're privy to that information. And, you know, last podcast, we talked a little bit about security clearance, you know, depending on what your clearance is, depends on what you're allowed to see, what you're allowed to hear, what you're allowed to understand. You know, my clearance wasn't from a uh, technically a top secret type clearance. It was for construction, doing work in different uh, various government facilities and government places. Um, so when we were working in those places, I didn't have the ability to go around, you know, poking around, looking for uh, documents and papers and see what they say. And no, I, I didn't have that. Why? Because I wasn't in the position to have it. And before I had my security clearance, I wasn't even in the position to be in that place in the first place. I, I, I couldn't go into the White House unless, you know, you did like everybody else and you uh, sign up for a tour and you get your visitor's pass and you go in. But you can't just walk up and walk right on in. Oh, no, I, I'm, I, I'm good. You, you don't have to check. No, it doesn't work that way. And so the objective is, is that where your clearance is with God will determine how much you're capable of being able to see because they're not going to take somebody uh, who's not seeking them and allow them to uh, walk in the middle of Area 51. You know, it's just, it's not going to happen or, or to uh, enter into David or whatever it is that you're looking at. You have to be in a position to be able to, to get that. And there are mysteries that are uh, set out that God uh, can and will reveal at various different places in the journey. But you, there are some that wherever you are, like where we are right now, we don't know everything. But as we advance and we grow and we continue in our perfecting, then we open ourselves up to be able to understand and see more things. Because some of the stuff that I understand now, I would not have been able to understand uh, pre-circumcision of the heart. Some things I understood pre-circumcision of the heart, I, I would not be able to understand before I was seeking God with all of my heart. And so it's just you don't put an expectation that God's going to give you the top secret stuff if you're only at the low level clearance. And in order for you to get any kind of clearance is for you to seek God with all of your heart. I mean, that's not even a, there's no commitment made yet at that point. It's well, let me take that back. There's no commitment to God at that point. But you're committed to follow what the word says to, to be sure whether God does exist or and whether it is real. And so it, it's just an uh, aspect of importance that we know that you can't have every mystery at one place that you are. And it also gives you incentive to advance and grow. Because if I can understand this, 
what else is there that I can understand as I as I advance and I grow? And God gives those things out to those who seek them. And it's it goes back to in circumcision of the heart, ask, seek, and knock. Well, with the position that you had in the government, don't think that you just filled out a written application and then they just took it on face value. You know, like we've been talking about the covenant, that a covenant's a contract that the government is going to go into your background. They're going to look, and, and that's the thing with Yah, that they, and a lot of people say, well, you know, Yah knows everything. Well, Yah knows everything that can be known. Like they don't, like this afternoon, they don't know what we're going to do until it's done. Like they can look at somebody and make a educated guess on watching their heart that likely this is what they're going to do. That, and then when they see it, okay, now we know that, that you've done it. And because I got into the Area 51 stuff and aliens and all that, and well, that even gives us a picture of how many things are foreign in the, the ways of Yah that we don't know. And it just made me think about they go through a thorough background check and they watch your life and they see what you do and they look at your relationships and they look at the work that you've done in the past. Because I remember you had said, well, what is it that we did? that made it to where we got here today. And it was interesting because I went back and I listened to the very first podcast we had, which interesting luck was May of last year, how time flies. And you go back and just the information that we've been given that y'all looks and they watch you as a kid and they see what are tendencies and then they look at it and say, okay, well, where's the potential? Like they could look at me as a candidate for a job. Well, let me, I'm looking at potential until you actually come in and you actually do the job. So I'm just looking at qualifications and then, okay, well, then you have to approach them. You have to seek with all your heart. Then you have to be interviewed. Then you have to be offered a position then you have to accept the position. Well, but you can't accept something they don't offer you. And so everything in the world, if you really look at all the detail, everything will come back to a principle of God because Yah has made everything that they've made to show the gospel, to show who they are, that because a mystery is good, but a mystery is a search for an answer. Like you, you read a mystery novel, well, well, I just want to know the answer. No, I want to go through and I want to, figure out who the you know murderer is. I want to figure out who's the one that stole the jewels or whatever, but you've got to seek after because I really want to know who what happened in this. So I want to go through the journey of figuring it out. And then once you figure it out, you oh wow, so that's how it worked. And you start piecing it together and the gospel is a mystery that you've got to figure out. And it's it's beautiful how Mother has laid out this podcast that we didn't just start out, okay, we're going to start out the very first part of the gospel, and then we're going to go to the next and the next. She's given information so that once you we get to, and we have, but if we were to go to a step-by-step -step detail, that it'll help you to better understand it when you're seeking with all your heart, because you'll say, well, oh, that's why I'm having an issue, because it's the brainwashing. I didn't see that. Or, oh, that's because of, programming, I thought that this happened, but we talked about that, so no excuses, so it's my fault. And so all these things will help to bring about the, the understanding of the mystery. And, you know, Paul didn't understand the mystery. I mean, he thought that, well, 
these people are against the law of God, so they need to be put to death. Well, I'll hold on a second. There's something that hasn't been revealed to you yet. You don't understand that this goes deeper and that you're really hurting yourself by fighting against me. So I'm going to make it clear that what you're doing is not the correct way. It's this way. And then he just given revelation that he, he decided to, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then going through the next steps and the next steps. And it's just a neat there. The mysteries of God are just like a deep ocean. You know, you just, who can get to the bottom? I mean, you, even if you got, even if you went straight down, <coughs> you forgot all the area in front of you to the, the front, to the left, to the right, behind you. And you're not going to sit there and get everything, but it's just the, it's the ability to be able to understand anything of God. And that's the thing. Once you have mother within your heart, mother has access and certainly Yeshua and Abba too, that they have access to everything. But if you were to go in a government building, just because you have access doesn't mean you just barge into the CIA director's office and I'm going to talk anytime I want. No, you would approach it in a respectful way that, okay, well, why am I coming here? Why am I going here or there? Do I really need to go in here? No, I don't need to go in there right now. So I'm just, but that's, I can go there, but I'm not, there's no functional reason for me to go there now, but okay, now there's a functional reason I'm going to go here. And that's why that always be prepared to give a good answer that be prepared to discuss and give answers to anything that's asked. Don't avoid questions. I remember we were talking this week about and saw a little clip of a guy that asked somebody a question and they said they were open-minded, but then they just left the set. And it's like, you said you were open-minded. Why are you leaving? I thought you wanted to discuss this and the person leaves because they got offended. And we're in a position that we're not supposed to be offended by what people say. It's we're willing to answer any questions that you have. If we know the answer, we will answer it with truth. If we don't know it, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. That's a mystery to me. Let me look into it. And, you know, we have access. And with what we're getting into today with Covenant and, you know, where people go when they pass from this earth is to a lot of people, it still is a mystery that they really don't know. But we have information from you that we know for sure what happens with people. Now, do we have all the full details of it? No. But we begin with an information that lines up with the word of God that, gives people a truthful answer so that you don't have to walk around and just all been out of shape because you don't understand why God would do something. So just interesting with, you know, a covenant, like we talked about a covenant is a contract and a contract is two sided. A contract with somebody is not going to be all one person and the other person does nothing because how would you have an agreement unless you have two or more people? And so that just, those were, my, those were my thoughts as we get into this, because as we talked about the, yeah, giving you information on that, that with a covenant and agreement, it, it is between two people and both sides have responsibilities. <clears throat> right. Just real quick, I'm going to give just a little bit of understanding about the process of being able to be in a position to understand things because the bible says at places well they don't understand because these things are spiritually discerned and what you have to know is that because of the corruption over time see in the beginning 
when Adam and Eve were created, there was the ability to use uh, the fullness of the mind, the, the full capacity of the mind. Uh, and people, we have it out there that people talk about the uh, ancient Mayans and uh, the Incas and, you know, these intelligent societies that were, uh, and people profess them to be smarter and more intelligent than anybody that is here that we have now, because they had to be, to be able to accomplish the things they did, but they had the a greater ability to use the fullness of their mind. But as corruption has come down over 6,000 years, that now they say that the, uh, the people with the highest IQ are using like only 10% or less than 10% of their brain capacity. And so there's a lot of areas that you can't use because the, it's been corrupted over time. And in order, it's not that you, you can't use those areas. It's that you within yourself cannot do that. You have to have mother open up your mind in those areas. And that's how people will understand faith more and more. But mother's not going to open up your mind if you're not seeking them with all, all of your heart. And if you're, uh, if you truly want to know the truth, then they'll, she'll start to open up places and you'll get those wow moments of those, Oh my gosh, I never saw that. Uh, and it's because mother knows how to open your mind. So, in reality, when it comes to forget about wisdom in the world, because I could care less about being wise in this world. But when it comes to wisdom of God, I have the capability through mother to use more than 10% of my mind so that I can understand the concepts and things that God brings. And so it's just important that people know that you have to have that uh, seeking with all of your heart to start on that direction. But having the circumcision of the heart where you have mother there within your heart, opening up your mind in various different places to see things that you never could have seen before. And that's why if we talk to worldly people about things that we understand, they may see it as logical or sensible, but they can't understand it because their mind has not been opened up to understand that perspective. And the only way to get to that is for you to be uh, start the journey and don't end it by seeking with all of your heart and figure it out. And then I had this thought come to me about the ask, seek, and not knock. And it, it makes a lot of sense the way uh, mother lays things out. The objective goal in the ask, seek, and knock, because that in the order that that was written in the Bible is not really the order that you follow in order to gain knowledge and wisdom. And so this is how mother just speaks to you. She spoke to me and she was, Look at it from this perspective, okay? You don't, you have to seek first. So it's seek, knock, and ask. 
because you have to seek first to know what your you know what door you need to be knocking on and then you have to knock on the door and the person has to answer before they have to open the door before you can <clears throat> ask the question and so you want to seek god with all of your heart and then you knock on the door of god by turning your life over to abba in repentance to the old covenant and then you get to the point where you're able to start asking and then when you have circumcision of the heart you continue to seek to knock and ask you seek out different mysteries you knock on the door hey god can you reveal this to me and then you wait for them to open the door and answer the question or it so it's just i is something that's very important for people to understand is that a constant communication with God is what you need, but you have to seek them first before you can knock on their door. If, if I know somebody exists, but I don't know where they live, I can't knock on their door to ask them a question. I, I have to research, which is the seeking, figure out what street they live on, you know, what, uh, what town, what street, what address, and then go to the door and knock and wait for them to answer. And then when they answer, then go into the different details of whatever question you might have to ask that person. So just, uh, just those two aspects are really important for people to understand that uh, one, you're not going to, you can knock on the door all you want of God, or you can seek haphazardly, but you're not going to locate God because they're at a specific address. And that address is seek them with all of your heart. When you seek them with all of your heart, then you you get the address and then you get to go knock on the door and ask questions. This is the, the beauty of all of this. The Messiah himself said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, you, you walk in repentance and then Abba brings Messiah to you. That, But there's a, a key factor. I stand at the door and knock. And then I just come in. No, then you have to open the door. And then I'll come in and eat with them, you know, with the man or woman or whatever. So it's reciprocal. <coughs> you, you go to God, then God will come to you and said, just uh, because it doesn't, Messiah didn't say it's in this exact order and it must be that he just says that ask. So you can knock that all those things must be done, but that makes just perfect sense because, yeah, you're not going to, like, you know where I live because you've been to the house and you've knocked on the door, but if you go to somebody's house and you just stand there and do nothing, well, the person doesn't know you're there unless, or this too, if you're at home and somebody's just banging on the door and yelling, other than that door that because well you know like demanding god well you better answer me and it's like you're banging on the door i'm like i'm not answering that until you know you get that knock oh, okay who is this and you know you look through the people oh it's phil okay well I'll open the door or oh it's my child okay I'll open the door but other than that it's like i'm not opening the door you know to all these things and dealing with all that stuff but yeah the the the, the mysteries 
uh, of Yah. It's just you, just like the number of books that would be written if Messiah had all, if you followed him and wrote down everything he said and did. There'd just be so many books that you, it's just going to be so many. So it's not to get overwhelmed with all, oh, there's just so many mysteries. It's just realize that there are mysteries. Because even Paul, well, I knew a man that was caught up into the third heaven, you know, and saw things that you couldn't express. You know, whoever this person is, I don't know, Yah knows. And, you know, the visions that John got from the island of Patmos, he didn't see everything about that throne room with the elders. And well, I went over here and I went over here, but but I saw this and I know that, wow, so there's elders. And well, what's that about? And then that gets your mind thinking, you know, what is it about this? You know, we talked about Satan being the, the, um, Lightbringer. Well, there's a whole lot more to that that we've even discussed on the podcast, and even there's more that we haven't been revealed in that. And and that's the thing is that with with Yah, all things are possible. So with Yah, any mystery that could be known is able to be known. But then once again, like well, you don't have access. It's not for you to know that particular thing now. But just you know, know that you have the clearance and having a clearance with anything comes responsibility as well. So Yah has entrusted us with the responsibility of presenting their truth. And we don't, you know, look at that as something to be played with. It's a very serious matter that if you have clearance with something, be very careful who you reveal secrets to, because, you know, we don't want this message to be brought out to people that don't want it. And so just, just another thing where you can see Yah as government, you can see Yah as mafia. You can see him as organization. You know all kinds of, of different things, and so just the the beauty of the truth of God. There's just so many things that are that are out there to understand, and and like you said, you seek with all your heart. That gives you the opportunity to find you know what Yah would would have available and what they'll show you. <clears throat> Yeah, we might be having a little bit of uh, technical difficulty. Somebody wrote in that we both sounded uh, like far away. I uh, made an adjustment. Um, if you could just send a note saying that uh, whether that made a difference or not, not sure exactly what it is. Is it both of us or just one? And if you could verify that as well. But anyway, we'll yeah. we'll just continue. Um, We'll have technical difficulties from time <laughs> to time, and that's just the way it is. Well, we won't um, worry too much with it right now. We're just going to have to go with what we have. Um, because I know that turned the volume button on one this morning and we hadn't touched anything since then. Maybe that's what's doing it. And I, I don't know, Dave. We'll, we'll, we'll check into it. We'll see what. But see thank you for letting us know so, so we can correct it. That's, that's good. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's continue with this. So when we talk about a covenant agreement, We need people need to know that it's two sided. <clears throat> you can sit there and say, I've accepted God, I've accepted God, I've accepted God. Well, 
that's all fine and dandy, but you have to be in a place where God accepts you. And God is not going to accept you if you do not have a uh, heart of seeking after them to know the truth. And so you have to prove to them <clears throat> that you're worthy before they're going to sign the contract. And it doesn't matter how many times you tell them you're going to commit to them. What they're looking at is all the times that you didn't commit to them. All the times that you uh, faded away and didn't live like Messiah lived, continue to live in sin. Why would God sign a contract with somebody who says, I'm going to believe in you with everything. And guess what? I'm still going to sin. No, because part of their contract, and this is the beauty part about the Bible. The Bible is not the absolute end all to the word of God. Okay. The Bible is enough for anybody to have salvation. And what the Bible really is, is multiple different times laying out for you what the contract is and what you're signing. So you had a contract that it's really a two-stage contract that you have to sign the first contract, which is the old covenant, the agreement with the old covenant that you're going to repent to Abba, which means you're going to uh, make the attempt to do your absolute best to fulfill that side of the covenant. And when you prove to God that you're going to do that, they'll sign that with you. And then you have to prove so that you get to sign the next level contract, which is that with Messiah in order to, uh, have salvation eternal you don't get to sign both contracts at the same time and you don't get the first contract just because you've signed the second contract it's really important that we understand that that's the way that that it works that you have to go and sign the first contract with abba that's what the repentance is about that you sign that contract that I'm going to obey you to the absolute best of my ability. And then you do everything you can to fulfill that contract. And so you walking in obedience to that <clears throat> and doing the best you can, even though in your body, you're not going to be capable of not sinning. But at that point, God doesn't care about whether you sin or not, because that's what the forgiveness of sins is for. You repent to Abba, you've signed the first contract. Now you get, okay, this is the agreement. You repent to me, you get the forgiveness of sins. But that's not the end of it. You have to repent to Messiah. And then you get to understand or learn obedience. And then you sign the contract with mother. Because in this uh, faith journey, there has to be uh, three witnesses. And, and well, technically... It's the, the contract holder and two witnesses. So Abba signs one side of it. You sign the other side of it. And then 
the son, uh, Yeshua, and mother are the two witnesses of the contract. Without all three, the contract is null and void. It's of no use to anybody because it hasn't been fulfilled. You have to fulfill the contract. And that's the, the, one of the big concepts that's missing in faith circles today is that people are not fulfilling their side of the contract. They're expecting God to do it. You know, the songs like change my heart, O Lord. And the Bible makes it clear. No, you change your heart. It's up to you to change your heart. Now you use the concepts and the ways of God to be able to do that. But you have to change your heart. You have to stop sinning. You have to do what your part of the contract is. It's like you being hired to do a job and expecting your supervisor to do all the work for you. And you're just going to get paid. Yeah, my boss, he's going to do all this stuff and he's going to, no, you wouldn't expect that in this world. And if you did, that would be foolish. But you don't expect that in this world. But you expect that with God. And if you were a boss, you would not accept an employee expecting you to do all the work for them. No, I will do the work that you can't handle or that is not in your uh, not in your job description. But what's in your job description, you must, you must handle it. That that's a fact of it. And so it's really important as we look at this that with a covenant agreement, there has to be to the degree and two witnesses in the midst of it, just like I had brought up the last time about my the ketubah, the uh, prenuptial, the agreement that me and my wife made when we got uh, when we had the ceremony the second time was she signed it. She she penned what she wanted or what she was going to do. I penned what I was going to do. I signed it. She signed it. You signed it. And Edward signed it. And so there's two witnesses and two bound in the contract. And when you have that, then the matter is established. Just thinking about this, think about the grace of Yah that you look in the world, you <clears throat> talked about having a, a, a job that unless the employer is advertising the job, then you don't even have any opportunity to even work at a certain company. You know, you have like in years ago, they would have newspaper job postings and now they have them online. Well, if you want to work at a company, if the company isn't hiring, if they don't make the ability for you to even work there, then it doesn't matter how much you want to have anything or you want to be a part of it, that you're not going to be able to until they say, okay, I want workers for this job. Just like the parable of the workers in the vineyard that I have a vineyard 
which is the kingdom of heaven. And if you don't, if I don't make it open to you, it doesn't matter how much you would desire to be here. You're not going to be able to. And anybody that has a job that the the employer has a set of guidelines for a position, and they have they're putting an offer to commit to you if you commit to them. You know, draw near to God, and they will draw near to you. And I thought about this, that let's just say you signed that employment contract. And have you ever had a situation where you needed a notary, a notary public? Well, a notary is a witness that puts the seal on the document. And that's what Mother does with circumcision of heart, that, that it even said in Messiah that this is my beloved son in whom we are well pleased, on whom Yah has put their seal of approval. Well, when you crucify yourself with Christ and you're buried, with him in baptism, then that's you're doing your part of signing the contract for the new covenant. And mother with circumcision on the heart, she takes that notary seal because Yah has signed theirs, you've signed your side. And now I put that seal on that document. And most of the time it's a lot of times they'll have a they can put a, a seal on it, but it's a, it's called an embossed seal, which you put it in that notary thing and you squeeze it and it puts a, a imprint in the paper that you can't remove. The only way you could remove it would be you would have to tear the contract. You would have to tear that seal out. And just stuff like that, as I'm speaking, getting this, that that just shows you that circumcision of the heart, that that means you've agreed that you're done with sin because the word says that the one who has suffered in the body has ceased from sin, that you're signing your name says that yeah, I am done with sin, even giving up my very life for it, that I'm so much want to be obedient to you and get away from this that I'm willing to give everything. Okay. All right. Now, now do it. And then you do it. And then, okay. All right. Well, you're, you buried yourself in baptism. All right. It's finished. So here's the seal. Now, all right. Now come out and walk in the new contract. Now you have newness of life. You don't have sin anymore. It's sealed. It's done. But be warned. Because you've agreed to this, that there's a possibility that you could turn from, but we're confident because we've watched you, we're in agreement with you. That, and, and that's why the warnings and continuing. But if you sit there and go, oh, it's okay to sin, then no, we're not, we're not signing this contract with you because you're not going to hold your side of it and it's going to be detrimental to you. This is supposed to be an eternal contract. And I had this thought this morning with, with covenant that, like you said, that you start in the old with the repentance and it, it transitions from the earthly to the spiritual. So we're taking a contract, meaning that you're agreeing with the things of Yah, that no matter what you're going to, to live by these, your entire life, you're giving of everything. And Messiah transfers you to the eternal covenant that I'm taking the same covenant that's Yah is making with man. That's the physical. And I'm just, transitioning it to the spiritual side because like you said you you make that agreement with Abba you don't break that you still walk in repentance for the rest of your life and you make that agreement with Yeshua you walk in obedience from the heart the rest of your life you make it with mother you trust the rest of your days and it's all sealed and signed together with all the witnesses and there's a scripture that says there's three that witness in heaven the spirit the blood and the can't remember the wording, the, the spirit, the, the blood and, and the spirit, but they're all whole, they're one. So it's all agreed upon. And we know from the word that there's such a great cloud of witnesses that see these things. 
that, all right, if you see your agreement now, go to work. You know, just like with my job, you sign a contract and then now I'm not going in today. Wait a minute, you you agreed to start at eight o'clock on Monday and you're not here? Well, that's a that's a decision we shouldn't have made, but that's the thing. Y'all's background checks and background records are the best they can ever be. And they've watched just like people would say, was it fair that Judas was in that situation? Yeah, it was. Because Yah had been watching Judas for his life and Judas made the decisions he made that we're watching his heart and this is the one that's going to be the one that will do it. And we know he'll do it. No, they didn't know he would do it until he actually did. But by a pattern of behavior and watching his heart and his decisions through our perfect discernment, this is the one. This is the one that's going to betray our son. But he still had free will choice to do that. So people may look at that and say, well, you know, Judas got a bad rap. No, no, you don't have the, the perfect discernment that Yah has to watch people. That they knew what they were doing by choosing them, just as they knew what they were doing choosing Mary and Joseph. It's the same thing that Yah will watch people. And that's how, you know, like you had said, how did we come to this? Because Yah had been watching us and, okay, these two. And we think, well, what is it? Well, there was something, because Yah doesn't just sit there and flip a coin and say, oh, Sean and Phil, it landed on you, you know, or it didn't land on you, too bad. You know, they don't do that. That everything they do has an order to it. And, this is just so interesting to me, the, the, how this speaks so clearly to the things in the world that you cannot get away from this in the world. Now, you may not put the word covenant to it, agreement, contract. You know, my word is my bond. Okay, so a verbal covenant. That, well, I don't break my word, right? So it's a covenant. So let's shake hands. Well, that's a covenant that I agree to, you know, the old days where, you know, I'll just shake hands on it and, and that'll be good. Well, that's a covenant, just like a salt covenant. Can you take a thing of table salt and separate every single grain of salt? Well, the point of it is you bring this, the uh, salt grains together that it's not supposed to be separated. It's not supposed to be one grain. It's supposed to be all together. So I just had those thoughts like that, that. It is make sure that you understand what your side of it is so that you can understand what Yah's side of it is and then work together. That, that's the point of this. And the it's the um, spirit, the water, and the blood. Yeah. <laughs> so you have mother being the spirit, the water, water being the living water, which is out of the word, and then Messiah, which was the blood that was poured out. And so really I had said that it's a twofold contract. Actually it's a threefold <laughs> contract. And here's how it works is you repent to Abba. So you sign Abba signs and then the witnesses are mother and Messiah, the spirit and Messiah. Then, and because remember you have to have all three witnesses. So then when you move to the second part of the contract, where you sign, then Messiah signs, then Abba and Ema are the witnesses. And then when you move to Mother, when you move to uh, the, the contract with the Spirit, then the Spirit signs, when, when you've proven yourself, the Spirit signs, you sign, then Abba and Yerusha sign, and then when everybody signed, now 
we get the notary see we get the seal of mother in the heart and that seal is intended to be embossed on your heart not just written but embossed which is raised up it's it's set in that the only way for you to get rid of it is to just kind of like scrub it out or etch it out or you know just completely destroy the seal of which we do not want to do and so uh just having those thoughts as you were talking uh it, it and that way all three testify for all three aspects of the contract and in order for you to have circumcision of the heart which is that embossed seal then you must sign all three aspects of the contract you must fulfill all three aspects of the contract because it's like a okay this is the contract you you prove that you're going to fulfill your side that you mean what you say and then then abba signs it with the two witnesses and then you know continuing on in that pattern and so go ahead I just praise y'all with this because I remember reading that scripture a few times and well, what order is it with the three and, and just just awesome. But another scripture goes with this. So there's a record of the contract because in the end, the books were open and whoever's name was not found in the Lamb's Book of Life. Like we have a set of contracts that are signed here. Oh, okay. Well, Okay, you're in here because I've got the seal. We've got the full contract. But if you're if you don't have that signed contract, then you'll be thrown into the abyss. So make sure that when the books are open, then everybody's life is open before God. That oh, they see that okay. Well, you're in the book of life because we've got a signed deal. It just made me think of what the government. Do you think or with your employment now that well they don't have any record of me working here or any files or no they've got like a file they've got your application because I'd ask my manager for the job description because we were talking about what you agreed to and I wanted to read it and I asked and they sent me, I don't know if it was the very, the actual advertisement when I applied, but it was the updated um, guidelines and well, where is that? There's a database, there's records there of your work and your numbers and the sick days that you've missed and the vacation days. Don't think that it's just, well, there's no record of it that, no, there is because when I left my previous job, I'd asked for the, um, like the, what is it, your performance reviews and stuff. And it took maybe about a day or so and they came back and I got a stack of papers that had the performance reviews, the ratings, and it, it's all, and that's the thing, y'all keeps record of all this, that it's a precious thing that I'm in agreement with my people and we, we they're in any better record keeping than y'all to where, well, y'all just forget about this. And no, they, like we said, you make a vow, they remember it, even if you don't remember it, that, well, do you remember when you said, oh, Yes, I did. Thank you for reminding me. Do you remember when you did this and when you did this? Because, and it doesn't mean that you keep records to just, you know, just keep bringing it up, but it's just that, you know, just realize that be careful what you do and say because there's a record of this and good or, or bad, you know, however it is. Right. And <clears throat> the, the books that are opened are going to be all the, stuff that has taken place, all your actions, everything that you said, all the vows that you made that you fulfilled and all the ones that you made that you didn't fulfill. And it's interesting because when we look at it from this perspective, you look at it as the 
Lamb's Book of Life is the book loaded with the contracts. <laughs> and if your contract is not, if there's not a contract in there with your name on it and with all three of God on it, then you're not in the Lamb's Book of Life and you won't enter into the kingdom as well as if somebody signed the contract and had the agreement and then they turned from it, that contract had been removed because you breached a contract. And once you breach the contract, it gets taken out of the Lamb's Book of Life. And therefore, there is no more uh, no more contract for you. You breached it uh, because God will not breach the contract. But once you breach it, they will remove the contract from the Lamb's Book of Life. And so I had a uh, so words to a song come to mind. <laughs> And it, it makes sense when when I say them that it's signed, sealed, delivered. Stevie Wonder. Signed, sealed, <laughs> delivered. I know it. That the confidence of well, its contract is signed, sealed, delivered with Abba, Ima, and Yahusha, and I'm in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't have nothing to worry about at all. And so that's the, the concept of the contract is that when you have the fullness, the circumcision of the heart, then they take your contract and they place it in the Lamb's Book of Life. And as long as you don't turn from it, you will have the fulfillment of that contract, which is life in the paradise of God. Do you remember... And if you don't remember, Mother will bring it to mind, but in one of the letters to one of the churches in Revelation that Yeshua said, you know, that I will not blot out your name. You know, to where, why would that even be brought up if you couldn't have your name? And just maybe think of that your contract is removed, it's blotted out, like to where, you know, you take ink and you blot out something. Well, who is this? Well, I can't read it. It's not there anymore. That it's just, I'm taking it out. So just another warning of, you know, I will certainly not blot out your name. Because why would that even be brought up if your name couldn't be blotted out? And that's the thing. Be careful that you're not, you don't have your lampstand removed from its place, that you're in that book. Stay in the book. Stay in contract. Don't, because that makes sense. The lampstand would be like a representation of the, the church that don't remove this from its place because of you not doing what we're asking you to do. <clears throat> so, yeah, just keep that in <laughs> mind as you think about the, contract of God, the, the covenant agreement, because your covenant agreement is threefold. You have to have a covenant agreement with Abba, Yeshua, and Ema, mother. And when you have that, then you have the fullness of it. You will have circumcision of the heart, and you will then have your uh, ticket punched for entering into the kingdom, provided you don't lose that ticket, you don't destroy that ticket, then you have the guarantee, the hope of salvation. And when you have hope, that's when you don't worry about what's going on around you, that you can be hard pressed on every side and not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down and not destroyed. And you're okay with it. You still have the ability in all that to rejoice because what's coming is much greater than any pain or 
uh, frustration or aggravation that we might have from this world perspective. And so it's just, uh, it's important that way. Have you been, and I'll be brief with this, but this came to mind. I, I had a thought about this the other day that I don't know if you have, but the, there's two movies of this, but the one I'm thinking of is the original. Have you heard or seen of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Yes. That, that was more <laughs> in my day, not necessarily yours. <laughs> well, the, the newer one is a little bit different, but Johnny Depp, but it, the golden ticket came to mind. I had this song maybe a week or so ago, just interesting how things will come back around in your mind that, that it was advertised that you can actually tour this chocolate factory and there's only so many golden tickets. Well, and for Yah, that the golden ticket is the gospel message. Make sure you get it to where you'll have the fullness of it to where you'll get the golden ticket. And the kids were just running around rampant trying to find the, you know, chocolate bars. And then Charlie was running around if he had everything he had and, you know, all of his money to get the golden ticket. But if you didn't get the golden ticket, you wouldn't be able to go in and see the factory. So it just makes you, makes me think of that. There's a golden ticket out there, which is the fullness of faith, which is the winning lottery ticket that people think that I'm going to play the lottery and everything will be good and maybe I'll win. Well, there's a lottery, which is the truth of God, the fullness of faith that is an absolute guarantee of winning and be one of those that has the golden ticket. And as long as you hold on to that golden ticket, Willy Wonka, you know, representation of the kingdom that come on into the factory and you'll get to walk around and you'll get to eat of the spoils. And now they did limit some people from going different places. And it was ultimately a test for him to, you know, did you really come in here? Did, are you willing to give back the everlasting gobstopper? Because if whoever kept it, well, then you were selfish. But if you really, you have the true heart, you didn't steal it, that you give it back. And then, all right, you won. It's just like, at the very end, it's like you think, yeah, I'm giving everything, and, I, and it's yours, everything. And then you've won. You've done it. You, you get it all. And wow, I didn't. And then, all right, well, now it's all yours, which obviously it's all Messiah's, but we get to share in that the kingdom of God is just like that you get to inherit the chocolate fact. You get to inherit the kingdom, which belongs to Messiah, but you get in marriage, you get to be a part of that family. So any and everything, if you're looking there's a way to tie it back to Yah and their truth. So just a, you ever, if you, anybody watches that movie anytime soon, think about the the gospel message and circumcision of the heart is that golden ticket and how bad do you really want to get it? So just another example. All right. How many candy bars are you willing to buy because you want it bad enough? I mean, they were like ravaging through them, like ripping the paper off. And he was just, and well, I don't have any more money. And they're like, all right, one more chocolate bar. And he's opening it slow. And then, well, it's a golden ticket. Now he's like, I got it. I got it. And then, oh, you know, and then you go in and then, but you got to be respectful to y'all. You know, I'm not just going to just come in here and think you can do whatever you want. You got to be respectful to me. And then now, okay, now, now I'll let you go into the, to visit my beloved one to where now you've, you've made it through this. And one last thing, just real quick, the tabernacle, as you go through, this just came to mind, the ceiling of it all. Isn't it a beautiful picture that the Ark of the Covenant, which is on the mercy seat, is the three aspects were put into there and the lid was put on the top. That you have the fullness of faith, that seal is you having the fullness of faith in you that you're carrying that Ark, that full contract, and the lid is put on top and sealed and carried around. 
So we have another picture of, like, they didn't walk around the, the lid of the covenant or the ark just thrown around everywhere. It's, you put the manna in there, the rod that budded, and I'm losing the other one, but you put the lid on there, and it's supposed to say cover, it's supposed to say sealed, and that's the thing, like, put the, put everything in your heart, walk around as Messiah, and it's sealed, so it just, it's endless. I mean, there's just stuff everywhere. And, and Messiah is the ark of the covenant. You know, you you could look for an artifact that would be the Ark of the Covenant, but Messiah is the Ark of the Covenant. That uh, in Him is the Ten Commandments, the, the, law, the, the manna, and the uh, rod that budded. Uh, it's all encased in Messiah, which each one is a representation sure. of each commitment. Uh, to the contractual sign of Abba, Yosha, and Ema, father, son, and mother, in the midst of it. So just an important perspective. And when we look at this with the contract, and here's something that we want people to see is with the contract, okay, the contract is clear. You know, a lot of times, and we're going to transition uh, just going into where do people go when they die, uh, it's in the contract. It, it's all laid out as to what's going to happen and why people circumvent and skip around and uh, try to skip places that the Bible says are there. Uh, it, it's not sensible because the Bible tells you you know, that if somebody's going to be in the kingdom of God in heaven, that they are not going to be there right now. They are not up there looking down on you and smiling and doing all that stuff. Now, the, the contract makes it clear that Messiah gives it in a parable of the rich man and Lazarus that when you die, when you depart this earth, you go to a holding place. You either go to the holding place where Abraham is, or you go to the holding place where uh, torment and anguish is. And Messiah in his parable explains the differences of the two places. And once you've gone to one of the other, one of those, you cannot cross over between the two. And even the, the rich man wanting to send somebody back to, to tell his family. And he was told by Abraham, they have Moses and the prophets, which is Old Testament. Let them believe them. Because at that point, uh, they, they, that's, that's where it was going to be set up. And we also have the, uh, the objective object of this is that nobody has entered into heaven from this creation other than Messiah himself and that which was there prior to Messiah entering in. Anybody else is still in a holding pattern, is still waiting to be uh, for the end to come because this is also expressed in the Old Testament in Daniel, at the very end of Daniel, and you can look it up, 
It says that now, Daniel, you will go your way and you will die and you will rest in the earth until the end of days. And at the end of days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. So there's not an instant move to the paradise of God in the kingdom, but there is a paradise of God at Abraham's side. And that's what Messiah was speaking to the thief on the cross about. And this is where part of the confusion comes in because Messiah said, surely today you will be with me in paradise. Well, paradise is a place of pleasure and good feeling, which is exactly where he was at Abraham's side, knowing that he was going to be able to enter into the kingdom. And how much greater paradise can you have than that which is locked in secure because you're in that place and you can't be, you cannot be transferred to the other place now. And so while the other thief on the cross was over in the other side of the chasm in that torture because of his pride. And so it's just, an important aspect to look at when we look at this. Go ahead. Well, just with mysteries and treasures, okay, the reason that people get confused on this, well, one of the reasons is because remember, in true faith, you transfer from the Bible to the Word of God. And where this, this just came to mind, where this gets confused is, is people go to when well, the Bible says, absent from the body and present with the Lord. I don't disagree with that, but it doesn't mean that you're in heaven. But with circumcision of the heart, you are absent from the body and present with the Lord because you're not in the flesh anymore. Yes, you have this, this body that we carry, but we are not in the flesh. We are in the spirit, so we're with the Lord. And that's the thing is that's why I don't rely on the Bible. Get away from where well, you start by reading the Bible, but it transitions to believing in God where you're um, dependency you live in the word of god because think about the fairness and justice of god all the so if if you went right to heaven then it takes away the word where it says that Yah had a better plan that we would all inherit this together because what's fair is you're the workers in the vineyard daniel you will rise and have your allotted inheritance so everybody gets their allotted inheritance which is eternal life at the same time it's fair that everybody goes in together because then Yah would show favoritism if one went in over the other. But a lot of this is just because it feels good. Oh, yeah, they, they went to heaven. All right, well, but where is it in the word that it says that the person goes directly to heaven? It doesn't. It says, like, you go, you'll be with me in paradise. Well, you're with the Lord in paradise. That's Yah made it for that purpose. But it's just a misunderstanding of what it may see. There it is. It, it, it proves that you're in heaven. But the thing is, if you were in heaven, you wouldn't come back. You wouldn't because you would be immortal. So you couldn't return. Like you would have to stay there. Same thing as the abyss that well, I went to hell and came back. No, if you went there, you wouldn't be able to come back. But again, it's a lack of understanding. And that's the we just talked about the the, the Satan being the uh, angel of light that yeah yeah you can go there and you can come back and, and it's all good and I got a message and I came back and where do we have in the word of God that anybody went to the abyss or went to heaven and came back we don't 
So again, it's don't lean on your own understanding in this. Lean on the the word of God and what Yah says is that we know that because even Messiah before he died said, "Where I'm going, you cannot come." Well, obviously you can't because you need me to get there, but you can't go where I'm going. Oh yeah, Lord, we'll go where you're. Well, no, you'll you'll go on the journey to be where I am, but I must see the thing is Yeshua has to be there. Because he even said, I go to prepare a place for you. That, that's what he's doing. He's preparing a place for the bride. And he's preparing to come back and rule for a thousand years and then for eternity. So it, it, like you said before, it, what is logical here versus what you want it to mean? Well, it feels good to say that my grandmother's looking down and watching us. And, you know, the, the LRM Park the Great NASCAR driver, well, he's just watching the races in heaven. And it's like you hear that. And it's like, no, they just don't, they don't understand. They're just misinformed. and. You know, hopefully they'll find the place of repentance, but there is no NASCAR races in heaven. There is no people just watching. I'm not saying that well, I'll leave that alone, but that, that that's the thing is that we the dependency once you come to the to faith is that on the word of God and and to be able to understand that scripture instead of just saying, well, it means this, you're in heaven, you're in hell, you know, all these different things. Or even says that it says, well, Jesus went to hell. No. Because that means he would be in the abyss. And why would the Son of God go to the abyss? The abyss is for the devil and the angels and all the people at the end. It makes no sense that he would go to the abyss. But again, it has to be spiritually uh, discerned and understood. Right. And that aspect that you're talking about was when he descended into the earthly regions. Right. To not go, hell. To go, <laughs> right. Not to hell, because hell is the abyss, and that does not exist here on earth. And people will say, that they feel like they're going through hell on earth. And it's like, no, you're not, not at all, because you have you cannot fathom what it's like to be there. And if you could fathom what it was like to be there, you would be scratching and clawing and, and begging and pleading and doing absolutely everything you can to make sure that you don't go to that place. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody's been there, that would be the message that would come back out of it would be, Whatever you do, repent to God because this place you do not want to be. It would not be about, oh, well, I saw uh, Satan and the angels and people were trying to cl climb out of the lake of fire and they kept throwing them back in. And it's like, no, that, that, yes, you may have seen that vision, but that's not what it's going to be like because even scripture makes it clear that you know the, the demons, when they talk to Messiah, have you come to torment us before our time? It's not going to be a party place down there. And so the realities of it is that if somebody actually truly went to heaven, like you have uh, John, the, uh, the one who wrote Revelation, um, he didn't have a, a death experience and go to heaven. He had a vision. He was given a vision of these things. And look at all the warnings and things that came out of it that he's warning people that you need to repent because th th this is not going to be fun. It's not going to be a good day when uh, Messiah returns and all this stuff's going to happen, but you're not going to go to heaven and actually see Messiah and then come back with the message of, well, Jesus said, told me to be a good Christian. 
And again, these people who have had these experiences, I'm not removing the fact that they had the experience at all. What I'm putting into it is what we just talked about, about the schemes of the enemy. What better way for the enemy to deceive people than to take a seven-year-old boy and allow him to see things that he, in his perception of what he grew up in, what church is, that this is what it's about. And so you go back and be a good Christian and you, know, you go back and be a good Christian and you're going to be with the enemy, but he doesn't want you to know that now. And so I'm not saying that people didn't have experiences, but what they had were demonic experiences that came to them like an angel of light, but they would profess, no, no, it's not. It's, it's, uh, it's real. And why do we need somebody to go to heaven to tell us that God is real or that heaven is real? You either believe it or you don't through the Bible. And if, if you can't believe it to set yourself up through the Bible to understand that God and heaven is real, then you're not going to get it even if somebody comes back from the dead, just like the uh, rich man was told by Abraham, that even if they, someone comes back from the dead, they will not believe it. Because why? Because they're not paying attention to Moses and the prophets. They're not paying attention to the Old Testament covenant. I mean, he, he didn't say, well, yeah, they'll be okay because they're going to listen to Messiah when and, and somebody tells them about Messiah, they'll know. They went back to the original covenant that you have to have a contract with first, which is the Old Testament, the old covenant. You have to have that contractual agreement in order to then move on. And just like you brought up from Hebrews, you know, that that's the beauty part about God and the fairness and the justness of God is that everybody who's going to enter into the kingdom of God will all step foot in at the very same time so that it's absolutely fair for everybody. And the same thing with those who are going to be put into the abyss, that it's not going to be throwing one end ahead of another. No, the angels that are in charge of that, I. Uh, that duty of ushering those people to the abyss will throw them in all at one time. And again, though horrible as it will be for those people, it's still fair because everybody's getting it at the same time. And what people don't understand is, yes, that's the murderer and the rapist, but it's also the thief and the liar who we tend to perceive as not being as bad but the end the punishment the torment is all the same whether you sinned what you perceive as lightly against god or you've sinned greatly there's not going to be different levels of hell and different levels of burning there's going to be one level and it covers everybody. And that's why Messiah said, you know, when you are uh, committing adultery by 
lusting after another woman or by hating your brother, you've committed murder. He's really drawing those lines to make sure that you understand that the penalty and the price are the same. And there's absolutely nobody from this, uh, from this creation other than Messiah who has been perfected that has entered into the actual kingdom of heaven itself rather than they are at rest and peace in the earth or they are in torment waiting for the final judgment when everybody's brought up all the books are open and if it hasn't happened before then definitely at that point every knee will bow and every tongue confess that messiah is lord unto the glory of god but there will be many that will be confessing that messiah is lord at that point that are ushered off to the abyss because you didn't have faith to uh, you didn't have that saving faith you had you accepted the lies that the father of lies has put out there and that's why we you know when we bring up stuff about satan and we talk about the deception that satan has it that that's that's what they do best it is deception and they will do it in the pretense that you feel like you are saved or you are safe in your religion, whether it be Christianity or Judaism or, or Muslim or uh, Hindu, whatever it is, that you, you're going to feel like you're safe. But in the end, when the books are open, your name's not going to be in there because you didn't sign the full contract. Because I could look at the Muslims and say, wow, they've, they've signed the contract with Allah. Just like Paul did before he, was, uh, before he had his Damascus Road experience. That Paul had signed the repentance to Allah that he was going to do everything. That's why he was killing people for him. And that's why... A lot of times, like with the Muslims, they, they, they've signed that contract. They believe that God is a terror and they're going to do these things. But they haven't moved to the sun, which is the uh, buffer between man and God. And so it's just important because only one side of the contract is signed. And then we look at it from... The, the Muslim perspective, they've only signed the contract with Abba, just like ancient or the original Judaism. They signed the contract with Abba, but not with Yeshua and Mother. And then you have Christianity, who has not signed a contract with Mother and Abba, but they have signed, tried to sign a contract with Messiah. And well, you don't get to sign that contract with Messiah until you've signed the contract with Abba. And just like you don't get to sign the contract with Mother until you sign the contract with the Son. And so there, there's an order to it. 
And if you go out of that order, then you're not going to have it. And so the, the push would be, if you're carrying any other religion than the true faith in Messiah, which is the way, then figure out how you can sign the other two contracts. Because there's a transformation in each one that has to take place in order to line you up to sign those contracts. And then if you're in the perspective of Christianity, stop trying to sign the contract with Messiah, thinking that that's, that Messiah is going to do the rest of the work for you. And he's going to sign the contract with Abba and he's going to sign the contract with, no, you have to drop that and go back to the sign the contract that the Muslims did recognize God as a terror. But then when you recognize God as a terror, then you recognize that you're going to be destroyed. And therefore, go and repent so that you can find favor in the eyes of God. And so it, it's really important from that perspective. Don't know if you've had this before, you may have in your life, but I just remember this from my prior insurance job that I worked in the total loss department. And they had some forms, especially title paperwork that were called, you had to fill it out in triplicate, meaning that it's a, a thick form that it'll have like a yellow copy, a pink copy. And I'd not really pictured this. I thought of it like as a separate contract, but it made me think of you have, like if you took a, it's kind of like a, like you have a standard notebook size sheet of paper, but it's a little bit longer, almost like a house contract or a loan contract. It's like the paper is really long. And I thought of that first signing of Abba, it's like you signed that and then you sign the one in Yeshua and then mother. And then it's all in triplicate. Like there's a, there's a copy for Abba. There's a copy for it. Like, it, it, like, you know, anybody that's close on a house, I mean, you're just signing and signing and signing. It's just one page after another and you're initialing. And I thought of this, that it just clicked in my mind that I remember Yeshua said that he came for the lost sheep of Israel. And it, it talked about that he came to reconcile those sins that were in the first covenant. And I was like, wow. So the reason he came for the lost sheep of Israel is because they had broken the contract with Allah. So he was calling to give recompense for the sins that were committed against Abba to bring reconciliation to Allah. But it's also to those that weren't a part of Israel at that time that were outside, like it says, you were far away, you weren't in the contract, but you were brought near by the blood of Messiah, because even though you didn't have the law, you were a law unto yourself. So therefore, you would be pleasing to Abba that you agree with this law, even though the contract at that time wasn't between you and, and God, but you were, in essence, grafted into the contract by Messiah. So it just makes sense that in Yah and their fairness that it's not a minor deal that you broke this covenant with Abba. It's that there has to be a way to reconcile this. So I'm going to give my life, my blood will reconcile the sins that you broke the covenant with Abba. So he's satisfied. So and in Messiah that that's fulfilled now, now believe in me so that now you can be, have the full reconciliation, but then those that believe in me will be brought in. Like you'll start in as a law unto yourself and then you'll be brought in by the blood of Messiah to where like the Jew and the Gentile are, he was brought to make one new man out of the two to bring reconciliation. So in him is no Greek, no barbarian, Scythian, the, 
everything in Messiah brings reconciliation to where now the, the Jews and the Gentiles together, the Israel of God, are now brought in reconciliation by this full contract that because I remember reading the word and it says like when you were without strength and hope and you were far off that you've been brought near. So now you can be into covenant with Yah. And it's just it just makes so much sense as as we go through this that Yah had a very well thought out plan to bring all this back into to being. And even Paul crying out, you know, whatever it takes, be reconciled to God. Well, they make a way that you can be in full agreement with them, have a signed contract, live with them forever. And it's just important to know these details because how can you walk in this faith if you're not understanding the details of it and then be able to explain it to, to others? It isn't just making a flippant decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's not signing a contract. But you're making a vow to the one that is running all of that to say, all right, you're committed to me. You're committed to the enemy right now. So break that and get away from that and find the true faith in y'all. And that that vow that you just said about accept this as Lord and Savior is very reminiscent of the uh, the vow made by Israel at, at the uh, Mount Sinai when we will do everything that the Lord has said. Now, what's interesting about that is that the contract wasn't finished at that point. They, they agreed, they, they uh, made a covenant agreement that yes, we will do everything that it says, but God didn't sign their side of the contract until they had proof of you say proof of life or proof of the fact that you're going to fulfill your side of the contract you said you're going to do all these things so i'm going to see if you mean it before i sign the contract and what happened after that for 40 years in the desert a whole generation not not getting in and these are the ones that by verbal by contract contractually connected themselves to God by we will do whatever the Lord says, but they didn't do it. And because they didn't do it, they had to perish in the desert. And because they perished in the desert, God didn't sign the contract for those to enter into the land until he saw a faithful Israel that was ready to enter into the land. And even Moses was a part of that generation that didn't, wasn't allowed to go in because of the things that took place. And so it was really uh, interesting as we look at it, that just because you make a verbal contract, well, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, doesn't mean that God says, well, I accept Sean as my son. No, they're going to put you through a testing ground to see, do you, mean what you say are you really going to do what you say you're going to do or not which one is it going to be and then when they can see when they're convinced that you're going to do it then okay now we're going to sign the contract now we're going to give you circumcision of the heart because you've proven faithful in all these areas and so just i uh, 
as we look at it and the what happens after death is laid out in the contract of what the Bible says. It's laid out that there's going to be these two places and that you need to figure that out before you die, because when you die, you're going to go to one or the other. So there's no purgatory. There's no digging your way back up out of the, the pit. Once you're there, you're there. And that's why nobody could have gone to the abyss just as well as nobody could have gone to heaven because nobody from this generation or from this uh, creation has not been in the abyss. If they had, they wouldn't have been able to return and they couldn't have been in heaven because it's not going to happen until the final judgment and nobody will get that entrance into the kingdom. And so, but the enemy will use people that they will deceive. And one of the biggest things is it's the, the use, the, the, this is how despicable the enemy is, is that they don't care that they're using a little child because they know that the adults are going to melt at that little child. How many times has there been a, a Christian song that they uh, put the, the child's voice in there mm -hmm. with it? Jesus loves me, this I know. And people are like, oh, it's a, it's a kid, and, they're, and they get it. And they, well, the enemy is not, they don't care. They, they don't care that that's a, a child because to them, it's a human being that they want to burn eternal. And so they, they have no uh, uh, remorse for what they're doing. But they know because they're going to pull at your heartstrings. Well, I can't, I can, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a burial and, you know, we're conducting a funeral and we can't say that this, we're not sure if this person's in heaven or not. We're just going to, yeah, they're in heaven and they're walking around and they're laughing and they're doing all these things that they did here. And the lies we tell ourselves when we really know the truth that we're trying to avoid, which is eternal punishment, that you you continually tell yourself these stories that, yeah, this, this person's in heaven. And honestly, you know, when was there ever a funeral and there might have been one that I don't know about where it was stated clearly that, yep, they're all going to hell. Uh, now people may do it with, uh, you know, yeah, well, the murderer and they, they got the electric chair and, uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're in hell now. And it's like, no one, they're not in hell. They're in a place of torment if they didn't repent, but maybe they repented. You don't know. That's between them and God, just like the thief on the cross. Uh, the, the one thief on the cross, he repented that, that it was an absolute repentance and he was in the paradise of God where the other one was not and was on the other side of the chasm in that torment. And so it's just really important that people understand that everything there's need that you need to know for life and salvation is in the Bible. It's there. It's not the end all because there's so much more 
that you can have when you have the fullness of faith, that you can then learn mysteries and other things, but it is enough for salvation. It is absolutely enough, and you have to see it, and you have to know that if, if it says it in the Bible, though, and we've talked about, there are some translational errors, but they're not as many as like every time you read a, a chapter, there's a, a problem with every single verse. No, but it's spread out where things have been modified or changed, and they don't have the same impact as they did when they were originally written because we're trying to soften it. We're trying to make people feel good instead of trying to get them to understand that this is a contract. This is a ketubah that God is setting up for you and their son. And this is what we're going to do. And this is what we expect you're going to do. And if you sign that contract, then you're obligated to fulfill your side of the contract but the fact that you have the ability to even sign that contract is the grace of God. But the grace of God not being a blanket that, oh, you just say these couple words and, and recite this prayer and then you've got it. No, the grace of God is that you have no opportunity without Messiah and faith in God that you deserve you 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 didn't deserve it before and there's nothing you can do in faith that makes you deserve it but everything you do in faith is proving to god that you mean what you say and that's why you work out your salvation with fear and trembling why because the fear is is that if i don't continue and get to circumcision of the heart then i'm going to end up in the abyss and so People tell themselves lies that grandma and grandpa are in heaven. And when they, sometimes they know the reality within their subconscious. And that's why it's so hard for them to let somebody go. And they, they mourn over people for years and years instead of, no, I know for sure where they are. And what does it matter either place? Because you can't control where they are. But many people would say, well, if, if my mom or my dad's not in heaven, then I don't want to be there. Well, you can make that choice and many people will. But the reality is, is that this is all about an individual basis. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be in the kingdom of God, then you have to figure it out yourself. And you can't base it on who has gone before you and whether they're in the kingdom or not. That's in God's hands. And God knows those are who his people are. And if they were not of his people, they will not be in the kingdom. But many people will be, well, if they're not there, then, then I don't like this God. And why? Because really what you're trying to do is you know your punishment is due and you can't get away from it. But you're too stubborn to surrender to God. And you know what? I'm not going to worry about who else is going before me and whether they're going to be in heaven or not. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that that's where I am. I mean, for me, I know that's where I'm going to be. That's where I want to be. That's where I'm going to be. 
And so I'm not going to turn from this faith, no matter what, and I'm going to continue in it until I die. And when I die, I will go and I will rest at Abraham's side and with all those who have gone before us. And then at the end of days, I will arise to receive my allotted inheritance. And that's scriptural. It's not Sean and Phil said. And the whole objective, again, of us doing this podcast is you dig into the word. You find it in the word. Don't just sit there and, yeah, Phil and Sean said this, and that makes sense. And no, I don't don't care that you believe us. Find it in the word and believe what the word of God says, and then act on it appropriately, and you will have no problem. It's when you lean on your own understanding is where the problems come into place. And that's why Old Testament tells you, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge them, and they will make your path straight. But, you know, you want to take scriptures and you want to send them to people and, you know, because of whatever message is that you're trying to send them. You know, they're they're going through a tough time and, well, for I know the plans the Lord has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And then somebody look at, so God intended my daughter to have cancer. And, and you, you're wanting me to have faith in God? Now, if God did that, well, who am I to question God? Because God is God. But I don't see God operating from that perspective. When God lets time and chance take place, and then they can intervene if they want to, but they more want to use each and every situation for someone to be able to have an advancement, an understanding that maybe somebody who is in that position is more apt to be wanting to seek God with all of their heart before their impending end comes, and then they find it, then they can have that salvation. And so it's just uh, really important to get into the word and get into a good conversational relationship with God where you can hear their voices and let them make clear to you what is right and what is not. Because you're not going to be able to use Phil and Sean as your scapegoat. It has to be God and Messiah and like Messiah with the get away from me, I never knew you. Those are people that that were claiming faith in him, not just they weren't the murderer and the adulterer who didn't care about God. No, I mean, yeah, those people are going to go to the abyss, but this is talking about a multitude of people who are professing some sort of faith in Messiah that they don't have the full contract with Abba, Yeshua, and mother. You had mentioned about the contract, and this just came to mind, and this is this is really neat that y'all made it clear. And this is it, it just it makes it absolutely clear. People say, Well, hell isn't mentioned in the old testament. It is. And here's how it's mentioned, both sides. I said before you today, blessings and curses. Blessings for obedience. Curses for disobedience. 
So right there, the abyss exists because curses for disobedience that you're going to be forever cursed in the spiritual, but in the physical, because at the time it was physical, the um, outwardly, that you're going to have diseases and boils and sicknesses and things, but then the eternal, it's going to be curses. So that I said before you in this contract that if you obey me, blessings, if you disobey me, curses. And that just transitions to the, the, the renewed covenant, the in Messiah, all the promises of God are yes in Messiah. So all the promises are blessings. So for us, it's just a, another way to show me that everything in your life is a blessing. Because if it isn't, then what covenant are you walking in? You may not see it as a blessing because it hurts or something, but everything that you go through for you, it is a blessing because you have a heart of obedience for Yah. So even though, well, how could this be a blessing? So that just shows the craftiness of the enemy that it seems like it's blessing, but it's curses. So make sure you're on the side of obedience. And that's what it's about, that obey me. That, that's what my agreement is. I want you to obey all my ways and, and want to do it. Okay, well, as long as you do that, we don't have any problem. But you disobey. Now we've got a breach and there's got to be reconciliation. So what's going to happen to all those people that have breached? If you don't have Yeshua to reconcile, then you're going to be in a bad a bad state. So just had that on my mind as you were, y'all was speaking that people say, well, hell isn't written in the Bible in the Old Testament. Well, it is. It's just you got to be looking for it through discernment that that there's two different places. But it's more important to tell you about what I want you to do to obey me than to talk about the curses. But I said before you, and that's the free will. I said before you, you choose it. If if you go to the abyss, you chose disobedience. So therefore, that's what you chose. Therefore, that's where you go. And then vice versa. And somebody being put to death was a representation of eternal death in the mm -hmm. old covenant perspective. In which it couldn't be eternal at that point because it was still physical, but you would go to a holding place until the eternal part. Right. Well, we've covered a, a lot <laughs> again. You know, there's just so much more. And like I said, any topic that we talk about, we could go on and mother would just, you know, give more and more information, but um, we're going to draw this to a conclusion at this point and just want to remind people that if you are wanting to know the truth of God and you're wanting to have truly have that place of salvation, you have to be willing to give up self and you have to be willing to sacrifice for God. Uh, you must sign the contract in all three places with the two witnesses along the way in order for you to have circumcision of the heart, the fullness of faith and salvation. And you can do it if you so choose. But when you choose, it has to be a choice that is unchanging. That And it's going to take grit and determination and fortitude for you to press through and for you to prove to God that you mean what you say. And if you don't prove that you mean what you say, then you will not. You will not be able to enter into the kingdom. So... The encouragement is for those who will seek with all of their heart, those that want to know the truth of God, that 
they will be looking for all three aspects of the contract to sign and they will recognize that in that contract you will go to a holding place you will go to a waiting place uh, to wait for the final judgment and then once the final judgment happens then it will be settled completely everybody at the same time will go to their prospective places either into the kingdom or into the abyss and that is a right fair and just god and sean do you have anything as we close out for this morning email address hidden treasures revealed at aol.com facebook page hidden treasures revealed and anybody has any questions or comments We'd really like to hear if you have something you'd like us to talk about. It's something we can evaluate and have for a um, future podcast. But um, just encourage those that are listening in and have been listening in um, habitually that seek with all your heart and ask you to pour out truth to you, to show you the things that have been, have been revealed to us. And um, just ask that, yeah, that you will bless the people that are listening in and help them and guide them as they seek your truth. So that's all I had. Hope everybody has a good day. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God and you will be blessed by it.